Good morning and welcome to this 10th Sunday after Pentecost, August the 2nd, 2020, and where has our summer gone? Holy God of wind and fire, dance through us today. Holy God of earthquakes and illness, share our tears, our sadness and pain. Holy God of creation and new beginnings, show us again your vision of healing and wholeness. hymn this morning from Voices United number 658, O Love That Wilt Not Let Me Go.
midst of the world's chaos, come to this place and find peace. When your mind is overwhelmed with what you see, come to this place and find hope. If your heart is heavy with fear, with worry, with sorrow, come to this place and find strength. As long as, as you long for community in a world that is torn apart, come to this place and find love. Come, people of God, and in this place, in this moment, find peace, hope, strength, and love as we worship and pray together. Let us approach God in prayer. Let us pray together. Lord, our God, where there is another God like you, a God of justice and unfailing love who stands by every promise made to his people generation after generation, there is no other. You alone are God. And so we gather together to worship you, to give you thanks, to proclaim your greatest, to sing your praise, to seek your face, and to celebrate your faithful presence with us. We pray that your spirit would guide and inspire our worship. Open our mouths to sing and speak your praise. Open our ears to hear your word. Open our eyes to see you at work among us. Open our hearts to receive your love. We offer ourselves to you in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our second hymn this morning is from More Voices, number 72, Why Stand So Far Away? Um, this time this summer um, has given me an opportunity to spend more time with our musical resources, and I quite accidentally came across this hymn, and I thought it went well with what message was today.
joined together in a prayer of faithfulness. The words from this prayer come from the song called Oceans by Hillsong United. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name, and I will keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise. My soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed and you won't start now. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Amen. And our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God.
I don't know if you'd agree, but it seems to me the world is becoming a scarier place with each passing day. The last few days have been disturbing. The places where we thought COVID-19 was under control are suddenly bursting forth with a whole lot of new cases. Essex County reports a case or two of West Nile disease. Headlines this week, 2020 on track to be Canada's worst year for police killings. Unions say teachers face concerns and anxiety about COVID-19 return plans for September. Without school, who's going to look after my children when I go back to work? Ottawa parents pull children out of daycare after COVID-19 outbreaks. We just don't know what's going to happen next, and it's our fears that can get in the way of living a spiritual, faithful, and productive life. Perhaps I should lighten the mood just a little bit this morning. I'm going to tell you a story about a woman named Wilma Sullivan who recently lived out a very terrifying experience. Wilma lived alone in a small town in, let's call it, Leamington, Ontario. You just won't believe what happened to her the other night when she was sleeping in her quiet house on a quiet street among quiet and friendly neighbors. Wilma had gone to bed around 11.30. She went through her normal routine of locking the doors and checking the windows. She then picked up a novel and settled down to read for a while. She grew sleepy, so she put the novel down, turned off the light, and settled down for sleep. Then about 2 or 3 a.m., she sort of woke up. You know, when you wake up but are more asleep than awake? Wilma, without realizing it, placed her arms above her head and dozed off to sleep again. People who sometimes sleep with their arms above their heads will understand what happened next. Her left arm simply grew tired of the position. She was dimly aware of the discomfort, and as she slept, she tried to lower her arm, but it wouldn't come down. Then Wilma said she became aware of a warm, firm hand holding her arm light tightly. She woke up in a hurry and in a panic, and she struggled in the dark to free her hand, but the strange hand wouldn't let go. The harder she struggled, the tighter the grasp grew. She was struck by how warm that hand was and how firmly it held her. Frantically, she tried harder to get loose. Then something dawned on her. It was her own right hand doing the holding. She began laughing so hard she nearly fell out of bed as it was a simple case of the left hand not knowing what the right hand was doing. Today's lectionary reading from Matthew is another popular story and is found in three of the four Gospels. This story has been used to deliver many different sermons, mainly because it has been interpreted a number of different ways. This morning, the meaning of the story or the miracle is clear. Jesus even says it to the disciples as he is walking toward the swamp boat when he says, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. This morning, we encounter one of the Bible's favorite short sentences, Fear not, don't be afraid. It appears 366 times in the Bible. You'll remember some of these. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Or we hear this one at Christmas. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great, great joy, which shall be for all. Or this one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? A Christian author by the name of John Ortberg has written a book, and his message is pretty clear. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. In this morning's story, many have criticized Peter. 
for getting out of the boat and going toward Jesus on the water, only to be distracted by the waves and the wind as he begins to sink. But Jesus, upon hearing Peter call out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and lifts, lifts Peter up. So, are you a boat potato or are you a water walker? Just think about that for a moment. Who here this morning hasn't weathered a storm or two in their lives? Weathering storms seems to be something that inevitably come as the result of living this journey we call life. Almost four years ago, Jan Richardson's husband, Gary, died. Jan is a blogger and Christian theologian who maintains an internet site called The Painted Prayer Book. In her blog that week, Jan spoke of her husband Gary's death as a moment in uh, an aching eternity. She says, I can tell you that I know what it means to be borne up when the waters overwhelm. I know the grace of hands that reach out to carry and console and give courage. I'm learning once again what faith is, how this word that we sometimes toss around so casually holds depths within depths that will draw us beyond nearly everything we once believed. Jan continues when she says, this is some of what I know right now about faith, that faith is not something I can summon by a sheer act of will, that it lives and breathes in the community that encompasses it that I cannot force faith but can ask for it, can pray that it will make its way to me and bear me up over the next wave and the next, that it comes and that I can lean into it, that it will propel me not only toward the Christ who calls me but also back toward the boat that holds my life, incomprehensible in both its pain and its grace. Faith was important to the first disciples as otherwise they would have remained on the beach fixing their nets, they would have remained in the life journey that they had enjoyed. But along came this person named Jesus who was like a breath of fresh air and who offered them a different kind of life journey, one that we too were offered and one that most of us listening this morning have accepted, one that has given us hope and the knowledge, as Jan Richardson said, said knowing the grace of hands that reach out to carry and console and give courage. Was it knowing the grace of hands that reach out to carry and console that made Peter in this morning's gospel reading throw caution to the wind who threw his legs over the side of the boat and let his feet take him where his heart knows Jesus is calling him to be? As long as Peter looks to Jesus and is wholly focused on following him and having faith in what Jesus has told him, his feet stay dry and his future is secure. But as was typical of Peter, Peter notices the strong wind and lost his buoyancy. He became frightened and immediately he began to sink. Yet Peter still believes in Jesus' power, so in desperation he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. As Jesus, Jesus reaches out his hand to the sinking Peter, he concisely defines the difference between belief and faith. Peter's belief got him rescued, but his lack of faith got them all wet. Jesus continues to call all of us to be his disciples, to follow him, to forge new and unexpected paths with him, and in order for any of us to find and understand the grace of Jesus to reach out to us, to, to carry, console, and give us courage, our faith would certainly have to be deeper and more important to us than the faith that we might have in the guy who put a new roof on our house or told us not to worry, it won't leak. 
Can you turn your belief into faith and start out on the journey that true discipleship undertakes? The first lesson we can take from Peter's experience is to refuse to listen to the wind. The winds that howled and wailed around Peter and finally drew his attention away from Jesus and onto the forces trying to assault him. Don't we also face the same perils? Isn't it the same thing when those around us tell us that our faith isn't justified, that our faith is wrong and everybody knows it? Did you realize that term walking on water has become synonymous with the idea of stepping out in boldness or taking a risk and getting out of the boat? has become synonymous with doing ministry outside the church building. If you were to Google walking on water, you'd get links to businesses, consulting firms, fashion companies, science projects, all of them proponents of going the extra mile, which is another phrase that's gone mainstream along with thinking outside the box or the early bird catches the worm and when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But there are other winds that strain to get our attention, to become central to our lives. They could be the winds of ambition, getting ahead no matter who gets hurt in the process. They could be winds of greed, a a company's desire to make more and more money versus a, a possible environmental disaster. They could be the winds of addiction or the temptations of our secular culture or a change in one's priorities, one's previous commitments. These winds are just a few of the many distractions blowing us off course, pushing us off Jesus' path and changing the direction and path of our journey. But it's not just the winds of the world that can blow a a follower off track. There's a second more subtle means that can pull us off the road of true discipleship. Instead of getting windblown, we get lazy and coast along, not following, but mindlessly soullessly tracing a track. Let me give you an example. In the 1970s, which most of us can remember, there uh, there were um, gas shortages, as you will remember. There was a common belief at the time that if you could tuck your car in behind any transport truck that was barreling its way down the highway, that the draft created by the truck would help drag your vehicle along, thereby reducing the air friction on it and resulting in an increase in your own gas mileage. In other words, following in the wake of the truck in front of you away some of, took away some of the effort that it took to move your car forward. For many Christians, following in Jesus' steps has become its own kind of spiritual coasting. Riding in the wake of Jesus' own first century actions and re- reactions in order to relieve some of the responsibility for making our own 21st century responses. But we're not called to follow in Jesus' wake. The risen Christ who gives lives today wants to make through us new waves with our faith. And let me say that Jesus was not simply a good man and an outstanding moral teacher whose past actions we may continue to follow like a law. Jesus is an indwelling a living presence ready to live today and act in new and creative ways in the always changing world. It's my opinion that we don't want to get ourselves too concerned with whether or not Jesus was walking on water, for I believe that the water is a symbol of what keeps us from believing and having faith in the one who can reach out and pull us out wherever the water begins to overwhelm us. 
In Deuteronomy, we, we find these words that are often heard at a funeral. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Yes, at times all around us we may find uncertainty and darkness, that the sea may rage and be turbulent with fierce storm winds that blow. But underneath there is the miracle, if we wish to call it, something supporting, upholding, and sustaining us. It's a faith that is able to overcome fear. I suspect that the real learning for us in this morning's lesson from Matthew is that Peter's doubt and the fact that he took his eyes off the fries and began to look at the wind and the waves was the symbol of his inability to walk on water. But then I don't believe we are meant to walk on water as the water is just the symbol of everything that gets in our way to believe and have faith in Jesus' ability to walk with us anywhere and to be there when we become frightened and we begin to sink, when we yell out, Lord, save me. And Jesus responds to us saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid, come. I think that Jesus is calling us to a much deeper faith, one that includes getting out of the boat, the boat of security that for me also includes the phrase, we've never done it this way before. I think we all know the time has come our culture has changed so much that we need to get out of the boat of security and chance taking a risk that perhaps God is taking us in a completely different direction. It's time to think outside the box, as they would say, and have faith that the risks will be worth it in all, at all in the end. And that sometimes failure can be part of the solution, knowing that if we get in over our head and call out to the Lord, save me, that we, he will hear and respond. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid, come. After all, because God is dependable and omnipresent, God will continue to call us to do ministry in many places we have never dreamed and in ways we have never done before. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us join together in a prayer of reflection. You call me to wait on you, Lord, but I get tired of waiting. Your answers to my prayers, your call for me to serve you, the promise of your coming kingdom, they all seem to take so long. You tell me to watch for your coming, Lord, but I'm not sure how to prepare for a thief in the night, uh, an undisclosed time, and your disconcerting habit of secrecy and mystery. Yet something inside whispers that you're not all that hard to find, that you're always coming to me and that both the waiting and the watching are more about being open to you now than about trying not to be surprised in the future. And so I will keep waiting and I will try to stay alert so that I can catch the glimpse of your glory that fills my day every day. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is from Voices United, number 563, Jesus, You Have Come to the Lakeshore.
May the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes. May the love of God be reflected in your hands. May the wisdom of God be reflected in your words, and may the knowledge of God flow from your heart that all might see. And now may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with kindness and give you peace. Go in the peace of Christ. Amen. Our postlude this morning is a song by Steve Bell called Holy, Holy, Holy Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna 